No, this is the Pat big news Shermer too. Trying to get fired. Uh, <laughs> so, <Eli> Manning <laughs> back on the bench. All right, welcome in, everybody. It's the Important Nonsense Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Steve Bonham. You can find me on Twitter and the Fantasy Life app and everywhere at Nonsense underscore Steve. My co-host, Mr. Neil Smith, as always, at Nonsense underscore Neil. Neil, how are we doing this evening? Doing good, doing good. Cannot believe we're already getting ready. Week three. We are just clipping through this uh, at an alarming rate. I will say, we don't normally always have an intro, but we do have one today. I have a fun fact of the day, possibly the week for you, if you don't listen to the Friday show, which you should. Al Pacino turned down the role of Han Solo in the original Star Wars, and my thought was, those are totally different movies with Pacino instead of Harrison Ford, and frankly, those are movies that I would like to see. Stop making sequels, stop making prequels, stop making movies that people don't want, and bring me the original Star Wars with Al Pacino as Han Solo. I, I want that. And I especially want the scene where it, uh, Al Pacino inevitably overacts and is just, at Leia, she's got a great ass! <laughs> just, I can't believe you've never heard that before. I've never heard that before. You've heard that before? Am yeah, I like, I've heard that before. Late, I heard that like, years late ago. late to the party yeah, here? Uh-huh. Yeah. All right, well, I guarantee you that there's people in our audience who haven't heard so sure, that. So I thought that was fascinating. And frankly, I want those movies. I mean, who wouldn't? But uh, you can, of course, find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, all that fun stuff. And don't forget to leave us a uh, five-star review. We appreciate it. Got to really stick it to that one guy. Make sure he understands how great we really are. Uh, exactly. That he is in the minority on that opinion. Exactly. Make sure that he knows that he is wrong. <laughs> Otherwise, I mean, we just look foolish, right? Right, right. Speaking of looking foolish, we should probably get going on the news since there's so much of it. The football preview. Halfback, passes to center, back to wing, back to center, center holds it, holds it, holds it! No, not that football. Aw, the Denver Broncos! Yeah, that's the one. You just don't understand football. News. Good news, everyone. Read all about it! And stats. You need to win. You play to win the game. On the Important Nonsense Podcast. Da, 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 da. Hey! Da, 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 da. QB News. Drew Brees has a broken hand. Uh, Aaron Donald took care of that. So the rest of the NFC is sending him a fruit basket this week. He will be out at least six weeks, but is going to avoid IR. That means that Teddy Bridgewater is the incumbent starter there. Uh, Taysom Hill is also a thing, but I don't think you have to worry about him starting, do you? No, no, no. They won't commit to a starter, but we all know that it's going to be Bridgewater and Taysom Hill will get more run at quarterback as they do more gadget plays, more direct snaps to him. They'll line him up with Kamara. They'll put Kamara back there probably on a few plays by himself and some direct snaps. It's going to be a little bit of a tweaked out offense with probably less of an emphasis on the like raw accuracy of Breeze. They're going to have a better game plan this week. I'm not expecting them to look as flat. But I will say, if you didn't see it, uh, Drew Breeze had his hand broken by Aaron Donald's hand. He caught Drew Breeze's hand as it was coming forward and smashed it because Aaron Donald is Bane in pads. Basically. Although, didn't Bane basically wear pads? 
I mean, kind of, kind of more, more in the <laughs> Essentially. comic books, less in the movie, sure. but yes, uh-huh. yes. He kind of already wears pads, but yeah, I couldn't believe it when I saw the replay of him just catching his hand and it just broke his thumb. It was wild. Yeah, it was, was wild. Really weird. Uh, speaking of weird injuries, Ben Roethlisberger magically went down. What was your thought on that? Well, Ben Roethlisberger's tendon or his elbow just disintegrated on live television. He just went to throw it, and it just disintegrated, and he immediately pulled his arm down and screamed and ran off to the sideline. So <laughs> that that looked as bad as it as bad as it looked on television. It was that bad. Oh my god! Why? That is exactly how that went down. <laughs> he screamed, clutched his elbow, and ran to the sideline. It's just it just disintegrated. His forty year old tendon just. That was it. That was the last ball for that tendon. So he had the surgery. He is done for the year, which means Mason Rudolph is going to be your new starter for Pittsburgh. It's a shame they traded Josh Dobbs to Jacksonville the week prior. And the only other move they made was they signed Paxton Lynch, part-time NFL quarterback and full-time pirate cosplay enthusiast. He is officially on their practice squad, and I wish them well with that train wreck. So it's Mason Rudolph, Steve. It's Mason Rudolph looking like for real, quite possibly the rest of the way here. So yeah, we gonna... hyped Mason Rudolph last season when he was drafted by the Steelers. Uh, we as did. The heir apparent. Uh, watched a lot of his game film during uh, college. So seen a lot of his work. I think what's really getting not a lot of play right now, uh, flying under the radar, is the connection with James Washington. James Washington still exists, still in Pittsburgh, also still former teammates with Mason Rudolph in college. These are all important things to keep in mind. Foreshadowing. Uh, Cam Newton misses practice for the last two days. He's still in the walking boot after re-aggravating his foot injury. His status for week three is up in the air. Uh, Just a little while ago, Kyle Allen basically was announced as uh, the incumbent starter, so... It's not officially that he is the starter, but he's taken all the first team reps, and it looks more and more like Newton will not be playing this week. Uh, thoughts on the Panthers' offense, which has looked woeful, to say the least. I reference, woo! We saw what that looked like, albeit in week 17 of last year and, and a little bit in the preseason. And uh, it's a big downgrade for anybody that isn't Christian McCaffrey. That's really the kind of the way I look at that, because he's still going to get his, and he's still going to be involved. And in fact... They may lean on him even more. What's scary about that is obviously the increased risk for injury and also the fact that we saw it even last Thursday. Defenses are, are already kind of keying off him because why wouldn't? You know what I mean? So if you've got yep. an inaccurate quarterback and you want to feature him even more than he already is, it becomes logistically problematic. Sure, but, Kyle Allen hasn't been terrible. Uh, it's nope. more short-range stuff than it is the deep passes. Correct. Uh, I, I still am steering way clear of Curtis Samuel. I don't want any part of that. Well, DJ yeah, Moore is okay. Greg, uh, Greg Olson yeah. still all right. DJ Moore, Greg Olson catch more of the underneath stuff, so it's probably less of an impact to them uh, long term. But it really does kind of mess with Curtis Samuel, who is more the downfield guy. And I don't even know if it's long term because it's more just this week. That's I, fair. I would hope. That's fair. I hope, but it's a mid foot injury. It's important to point out, and that is kind of a wide timetable and kind of a wide range of different things. Because if he ends up turning into a list, Frank, he's done for the season. Yeah, but I mean, if they were still considering him playing this week, I I don't think it's that severe. And the MRI should know uh, damage. So I think we'll we'll be all right there. Uh, Trevor Simeon, however, not all right. He is done for the year. (laughs) Fell awkwardly, just destroyed his ankle. It's not really that he fell. It's more that Miles Garrett 
body slammed him down onto his yeah, leg. Right onto it. Yep. Yeah, that's more how So that now happened. Luke Falk is the new starter until Sam Darnold returns from mononucleosis. So that is up in the air when Darnold will be back. Luke Falk, in the meantime, had himself a, uh, a Garner Minshew type debut, shocking the world with those underneath passes that didn't go beyond the line of scrimmage. Uh, put up great completion numbers and got decent yardage because Le'Veon Bell still exists. But yeah, Luke Falk, definitely not something I'm playing. No. I love the fact that he was connecting with Coolio. Yeah, so that, that actually... Was, that was that's reassuring. Good to see. That's good to see that it's not going to totally tank anybody out, I don't think. but Feels like it be, kills Jamison Crowder. A little bit, yeah. And it's also going to be inconsistent. That, so. It's going to be really inconsistent as well, as we saw. There's going to be some, like weeks where he's just going to throw those dump offs the line of scrimmage and they don't go anywhere. You know what I mean? So there's, there's also that it's not, it's not looking good. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, Darnold can get back sooner rather than later. Daniel Jones is now the starter in New York. That didn't take long. No, this is the big news too. Trying to get fired. Uh, (laughs) So Manning back on the bench. I also Uh, love the fact that, uh, Jalen Ramsey is basically trying to force his way out of Jacksonville. And now you've got Tom Coughlin down there in Jacksonville like, oh, Eli's on the market? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, that would be that would be uh-huh. phenomenal that if would that be actually went fantastic. down. That would be that phenomenal. Would be so great. It would be an amazing thing to watch Eli Manning go down, have to go down there. And then I wonder if he doesn't just hang it at that point sure. rather after we report. talked about it all off season and then yeah. they sign Nick Foles and then Foles gets hurt and they do it anyway. I mean, oh, how be, great would that be? It'd be great. It'd be such a great NFL story, but to, to, to what, you know, last time they did this, someone tried this, they got fired <laughs> like immediately. Now, granted that was chief of security, Ben McAdoo. Go look up a picture of Ben McAdoo. If you don't get that reference. Well, um, hold on chief of mall security. Yeah. Mall security. Thank you. It is mall security. And uh, yeah, you can't you can't lose and look like that, and then bench the anointed one up there in New York and get away with it. So we'll see. But I like I like where your head's at. Pat Shermer trying to get fired doesn't want to stick it out with the season. Knows how bad it's going to be. Like nah. Yep. I'll just get canned and they'll have to pay me my money. <laughs> It'll be fine. So does I'll this affect work. anybody for you? I mean, Saquon's obviously Saquon. I wasn't honestly, high on Evan Ingram anyway. Honestly, is the biggest question. It doesn't really do a whole lot other than it actually makes me feel a little bit better than the projections that I already had. Because because these with Daniel Jones back there, he's looked better than Eli already all through the preseason and in limited work. There's going to be some growing pains. He's a rookie. There's going to be some bad throws and some turnovers. But what was Eli doing? Bad throws and turnovers. So frankly... I don't really feel like I need to tank anybody, nor do I feel like I need yeah, to move I don't anybody. Feel like all, I need to move anybody. All that it did for me same, was yeah. it changed my confidence modifier slightly from like slightly negative to like slightly positive, but it's not enough to move anybody. I just feel a little bit better about it, frankly, with Daniel Jones in there. I, I at least feel like they're doing something to move in the right direction, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, if it wasn't for the numbers on the jerseys, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I mean, yeah, face, I don't... between between the face, between the mannerisms, between the, the actual play style. As we know from the internet, Daniel Jones is the guy. He looks like the actor that you would hire to play Eli Manning in the story of Peyton Manning's life. We know this. It's exactly what he looks like. Come on, Eli, just retire so we can get Peyton in the booth. That's all that I would ask. Be, that's the ideal scenario. Just hang him up so that Peyton can get up in there and we can have glorious Monday night football coverage for, for quite a while. That'd be 
That'd be phenomenal. Uh, Carson Wentz was banged up from the Sunday night football game. Uh, he did return very briefly afterwards. He was in the concussion protocol and passed it. Uh, something to note because of his you know history with injuries, but I do think he will be okay. Oh, he's gonna weeks. he'll he'll start. He's playing. It's just be aware that Carson Wentz is already showing the injury flare ups again. So if, it's Carson Wentz. It's gonna be there. I know that, but that comes with it. You gotta if you haven't made a backup plan, go make your backup plan. Meanwhile, C.J. Anderson was cut by the Lions. Shocker. Yeah. Boy, if only someone could have warned you. I mean, uh, all preseason, C.J. Anderson is going to be so good, and now what are you saying? Oh, sorry, we didn't listen to you. Yeah, you should be sorry. So C.J. Anderson gone. They claim Paul Perkins. So now you got Ty Johnson there, you got Paul Perkins, you got uh, D.K. Metcalf, and but mostly it's just the Carry On Johnson show. Did you say D.K. Metcalf? I think you mean D. McKissick. Um, yeah, maybe uh, I did say D.K. Metcalf. But, maybe uh, I've had a little... It had one too many before we started here. A little he's bit. Just, he's just drunk on the idea of Peyton Manning in the Monday Night Football booth. Um, or I'm just trying to hype DK Metcalf's value anyway. I right, can. even more. Even more uh-huh. so. Yeah. <laughs> the, <laughs> I don't think it does a whole lot, to be honest. It's it's really it's really the carry on Johnson Express over there. And if he was to go down, is there anybody that you're like rostering in case? Is it Paul Perkins now? I guess. I, I'm not really worried about it. Nope, don't care. Don't really care either. Cool. So that that makes it easy. Uh, David Johnson left week two early, but then he came back dealing with a wrist injury again like he dealt with before. He should be able to play and be all right. Chase Edmonds is someone you absolutely should own if you're a David Johnson owner. Yeah, wrist injury and David Johnson should set off all sorts of alarm bells if you know the history of David Johnson. You need to have Edmonds. It's very important. Uh, James Conner dealing with a knee injury. He says he's okay, but that is James Conner, so... Uh, something to keep in mind. Jalen Samuel's an interesting guy off waivers. I would Jalen Samuel him. Yeah. yeah, he would be the guy for sure. Connor couldn't go. We saw him have limited success last year when he was getting all the work. So for sure, the guy you want to have on your radar, if not on the back end of your roster. Uh, Josh Jacobs dealing with a groin injury of his own. He has been dominating the first couple of weeks for the Raiders. You're that welcome, America. A lot better. Welcome. So uh, Josh Jacobs, if he is out. Is there anybody on the Raiders you want? Jalen Richard, perhaps? Want or, no, want or would deal with. Richard is what I would tolerate. Want is a bit strong. Um, sure, but that's fair. Richard is what I would be considering playing as like some sort of low-end flex-type situation. Because we've seen him also have value uh, in the... Well, when he gets all the work, you know what I mean? We've seen him have value. He can do it. He's more of a pass catcher, but uh, Devin Singletary dealing with a hamstring injury of his own. It forced him out early in week two, but it doesn't really matter because he was being outplayed by old man Gore anyway. So Devin Singletary, are you are you concerned? I mean, I'm concerned about old man Gore. That's what I'm concerned about if I'm a Singletary owner. Yeah, I'd be more concerned about the efficiency numbers of Singletary than I would be about this per se. Um, I guess for right now you're just going to have to deal with the fact that he's kind of beat up. You can't really play him in this condition. If he's even, if he's going to go, because if he's gimpy, given the weird kind of lack of consistent snaps that he's getting at still at this point, it's not really something that you can hang your hat on. So it's kind of a home run swing, i.e. CJ Spiller from years past. So I'm more concerned about Gore showing up, dominating, looking good on his way to his 800 yards in NFL season, wherever he plays, doesn't matter. Minimum. 
And that's my more more concern is that he just keeps keeps on trucking. You know what I mean? And then there's no job. Yeah, for I talked about this, how Singletary is the guy I want to own in week 10. That, I don't want him right now. I, I feel like you're overpaying for him right now. And there's no shot you should be playing him. Uh, this is Frank Gore's show still. And the people dismissing Frank Gore as if he's not there boggle my mind. I don't get it. The talent is there for Singletary. Great player will ultimately be the starter. Sure, by next year. But right now, it is Frank Gore. He's getting more touches. He's more involved in the game. I told you it's all game flow, too. Yep, it is. You know, we we talked about this on the Friday show. Up until when they were losing 7 nothing. And then all of a sudden, Singletary scores a 14-yard rushing touchdown. And from that point until the fourth quarter, he didn't touch the ball. Was not part of the game plan because they took a lead. And that's how it's going to be for at least a good chunk of the first half of this season. Yeah, I'd say check back in on that kind of work work thing in week eight. Because I know the nerd is is saying that change is going to happen rapidly. And I know you and I feel differently about that. Because they're not just going to give him that job, especially if he can't stay healthy. Frank Gore is out there just grinding. You know what I mean? They're yep. not going to change yep. it. And and they spent that money to bring Frank Gore there for a reason, which is why we had him ranked the way we did in the preseason. Because we've been saying, like, there's a real shot that he could end up taking over this job at some point. And it looks like it's happened by week two. And he might be the lead dog until week eight or nine. Yeah, Frank Gore is just sitting out there. Get off yeah. my lawn. Just telling him. Just telling him, stay Frank, away from my lawn. Frank Gore is also out there in a shocking amount of situations across the internet. So just something to keep in yep. mind. Uh, Damian Williams suffered a knee injury in week two. He did not practice on Wednesday, something we will be monitoring and watching on Friday. You've got Shady McCoy, also not the picture of health himself, uh, had an MRI done, and uh, it, it came back clean. He's hopeful that he uh, he will be able to play this week. But again, with the two of them dealing with their injuries, at some point Darwin Thompson will be on the field, and whenever he takes over... It'll be his job to run with, literally. <laughs> so I'm telling you, all these people that keep cutting Darwin Thompson and just throwing him away will regret it. At some point this season, he will be the Nick Chubb that has the $100 waiver claim from some, from somebody from in somebody, your league yeah. with the fab budget, and it makes more sense to go out and get him for a dollar now and stash him on the back end of your bench than it does to wait until he blows up and you have to way overpay for it. Don't say I didn't warn you, people. Well, it's I've fair. Been we've, warning been, you. we've been warning you about the health of Williams and McCoy forever. So, I mean, it does make sense. And Kenyon Drake on the trade block, breaking news from about a month and a half ago. I was going right? to say, not, not really new news, but more of a story that has gone away and then come. And I mentioned to you, if I'm in a deep league, 14, 16 team league with a big bench, Mark Walton is interesting. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a deep, we deep hyped lead, him up sure. last year, uh, and then he got cut from Cincinnati, went down to Miami. Kalen Balaj has been given opportunities. He was basically the guy this week. He has looked and it's been terrible. terrible. He ducked that pass. That was my favorite one. That was my favorite blunder. He made it on like every sport after sports coverage all week, and he was on ESPN just ducking out of the way of a pass right to him. That's really super brutal. Yeah, limited work last year. He didn't look great. He hasn't improved at all in the offseason. So Balage looks like he doesn't deserve the job. Walton will get a chance. And I, again, worth a stash in a deep league if you're running back desperate, in my opinion. Meanwhile, 
Uh, Michael Gallup had to have arthroscopic knee surgery. He's going to miss two to four weeks, which is a big blow for the Cowboys offense because he was looking good last week. So uh, with him finally turning it around when he gets back, that'll be big for them. But in the meantime, Devin Smith really stepped up out of nowhere as somebody that lives in the Dallas area. I had no idea who that was. So that tells you how under the radar Devin Smith is. <laughs> and when they're playing Miami this week, everybody it has a chance to go off for free. Doesn't matter. Yeah, you're playing Miami. Start start your Cowboy. So I have Amari Cooper as my number one wide receiver this week. I don't think uh, that's much of a shot call. Not shocking. Uh, yeah. But uh, Devin Smith the certainly on moved up my ranks. Brown was eating a lot. Yeah, demolishing. Uh, Devin Smith certainly moved up my ranks, especially with the Michael Gallup news. But uh, also another guy, the uh, the not dead Randall Cobb. He moved up my rank significantly as well. He is in the back end wide receiver three territory flex range for sure. For this week, the Dolphins. Yeah. No, yeah. That makes sense for this week, for sure. Uh, Demarius Thomas is week to week with a hamstring injury. But again, to me, I think his value pretty much died with Trevor Simeon's ankle. So I'm Check not back in on that, that and still when Sam Darnold maybe comes Darnold back. comes back, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tyrell Williams dealing with a hip pointer, of course, the week that everybody was high on him. He would, you know, find a way to get hurt and miss a bunch of time. <laughs> so Ty Williams, uh, something to monitor if that's what you've been playing. But again, that Raiders offense has looked legit at least the first couple weeks of this season. Yeah, if he's not playing, I mean, even more for Waller and Renfro. Uh, Cody Latimer's in the concussion protocol. But again, with Daniel Jones, it's not something I'm really interested in. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey dealing with a calf has missed the walkthrough and has significantly fallen in my rankings. It's the same reason I never really want to own Alshon Jeffrey. It, he is every week he's questionable. <laughs> you can't know for sure if he's going to play or not. Uh, I happen to know Steve owns Alshon Jeffrey in several several leagues this year, and I hate hey, it. Uh, be about any part of it. Uh, but yes, it's to have to sit there and have him be questionable constantly, and then in the first quarter. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm just not going to go and throws up a zero. That's uh, That happens way too often for my liking. Um, but Alshon Jeffrey dealing with a calf issue, something to keep in mind there. Uh, Deshaun Jackson expected to miss two weeks with an abdominal strain. So, again, the walking wounded for the Eagles. Uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is going to get an opportunity at least. And then you've got Nelson, Nelson Aguilar. Aguilar. The, Nelson you know, Mr. Butterfingers himself, yep. Nelson Aguilar, is going to get a more a, prominent role. Yeah, he was also in and out of the last game, too. He's also the picture of health, as we know. He had a, he was in the concussion protocol and out of the concussion protocol that game, just like seemingly everyone else who played for the Eagles that night. Meanwhile, I'll use that to transition to Dallas Godair, who left that game with an ankle injury and is questionable to play this week. Uh, Godair, like I said, is the only tight end handcuff this season and for a long time. So if uh, if something were to happen to him, I, I, it's not really going to affect your roster, or at least shouldn't. I don't know why you'd be starting Dallas Godare, some crazy, like, deep league. I mean, some dynasty situation, I guess. I maybe. Guess. Even, I, don't I don't know. know that's nuts. It I just doubt. hypes up Zach Ertz because there's no one to, to cut into his already dominant share. Yeah, and he's the only targets. one not hurt as well, so that's a bonus for him. He's the only one not, like, on the injury, basically, on that team. Yeah. Uh, David Njoku left Monday night's game with a concussion. He's also dealing with a wrist injury, though, that could require surgery. That's the more pressing issue. 
if David Njoku was to miss time, there's nobody on the the Browns that I'm really looking to roster at tight end, especially with all the other mouths to feed they have there. No, you'd, you'd have to change teams, and then maybe we wait and see if somebody can emerge. There's no one that's an immediate fill-in. Um, I would think it boosts the value for Jarvis Landry, though. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And then Mark Andrews missed practice on Wednesday. He's been dealing with a foot injury. So something to monitor for the current number one rated tight end in fantasy football. Uh, other news to note, I mentioned Jalen Ramsey demanding a trade from Jacksonville. It looks like he will play this Thursday, though. If I had to guess, we'll see if he plays this Thursday, maybe even on a limited snap count. And then with the extended time before their following game, maybe they can try to get a deal done and get him out of there. They seem to be choosing Doug Marone over Jalen Ramsey, which seems like a winning combination. Yeah, sure. Mr. Fried Bologna himself, Doug Marone. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll see where Jalen Ramsey can find a home because there's going to be somebody who's going to give up something really high. You know what I mean? To get Jalen Ramsey on their football. Yeah, along those lines, the Steelers, with their projected top 10 pick, traded it for Minka Fitzpatrick to the Dolphins. So it solved their safety problems. But they gave up basically a projected top 10 pick to do it. So if you're going to get a top 10 pick for Minka Fitzpatrick, a yeah, guy exactly. who's still developing and not uh, not even established in the league, what is the King's ransom you're going to get for Jalen Ramsey? Uh, some sort of amazing haul. So it may it yeah. may be worth looking into if you really don't think you can work with the guy because you're going to get something really helpful, but it really hurts your defense for this season for sure. I mean, he's still one of their best players. Really weird that they can't manage that person yeah. So, of course, our presenting sponsor for this season, Rotoshurance. Shout out to Rotoshurance. Uh, remember that in season, you can still sign up for Rotoshurance. Even if you haven't gotten your season long team covered now, you still can. It's not too late to do that. You can go ahead and go to Rotoshurance.com, put in promo code NONSENSE, N O N S E N S E, and get 20% off your season long coverage, but it also covers your DFS teams. So if you were to play a DFS lineup and one of your players gets hurt and misses the entirety of the game or a vast majority of the game, you would get your buy-in back for that DFS, which is extremely useful. Also for gambling this season as well, any sports bets you make, uh, you can go to Rotoshurance and get a plan to cover you for that. So again, go to Rotoshurance.com, put in promo code NONSENSE and get 20% off Injuries can happen at any time, so go to rotoshurance.com today. Go to rotoshurance if you have James Conner. Well, he's already hurt, so that wouldn't help you. No, oh, too late. They, they, they won't give you out the insurance policy on the already hurt players. Should have done it last week. Yep, Should have done it last week. Should have done it. So it's our new segment, Neil, Reckless Speculation. And now for some reckless speculation. You're engaged in speculation. That is reckless speculation. Speculation 101, perhaps? Uh... That speculation. That is completely reckless. Is reckless. And this is just speculation. What's the deal with all this reckless speculation? On the Important Nonsense Podcast. Jerry. Hello. That is just a bunch of reckless speculation. So we're going through quarterback situations this week. First, uh, Teddy Bridgewater taking over as the starter in New Orleans. No starter has officially been named, but we're assuming Bridgewater because he's the only actual quarterback there. I mean, 
and Tyson Hill's more of a gadget guy. Um, so with Bridgewater at the helm, he was the starter for a full season in Minnesota before that catastrophic injury that happened to him. Don't Google it. He started. Don't the, Google uh, it. He started the final game of last season. He's been there for two years now. So, uh, Teddy Bridge, how does that affect the Saints in your eyes? So, for me, it just tanks Michael Thomas. No, no, no. <laughs> it, it does hurt uh, the actual traditional receiving core, obviously, because he's, he's not as accurate as Drew Brees. It's going to take him a little while to kind of get acclimated to all of that. I think it hurts Michael Thomas in, in a real way, um, not in the sense that it maybe makes him like you know week to week completely outside the top ten, but not all targets are created equal. So even if they still are drawing plays up for him, can Teddy Bridgewater get him there with the same level of acuity than Drew Brees can? Probably not. I would say no. And really, what I think it actually helps is things like Alvin Kamara, weirdly, Jared Cook. Uh, Taysom Hill is going to be more involved because they're they're not even calling Teddy Bridgewater the starter. They're basically going to run the Florida offense from a lot of the checkdowns is like, what you're saying. A lot of the checkdowns is who I'm who I'm increasing, and a lot of the down the field stuff I'm decreasing. Ted Ginn, for example. Not, yeah, I was going to say basically not for me, uh, I agree with you. Uh, Jared Cook still uh, interesting. He's a back end starter guy for me. Uh, this week I've got him at 16 right outside starting range, but again, mostly it's matchup dependent now. And this week they're going on the road to face a good Seahawks defense, which is why, you know, one of my bigger bold calls of the week is I've got Michael Thomas at 17. It's a tough defense. They're going on the road. It's Teddy Bridgewater. They're going to be draped all over Michael Thomas. It's going to be a rough go of it, I think, for a little while until he gets, you know, fully acclimated, gets connected with these guys. Yeah, and especially the the ones is who I'm more worried about. Like, there's a few of those guys that's like they're just they're still going to get theirs. But yeah, Ted Ginn is the one that I think probably takes the biggest yeah. individual hit. Ted Ginn for me now is droppable. If you had Ted Ginn rostered, I, I think he's droppable at this point. Yeah, it, the 100%. home run is just not going to be there for Teddy Bridge. It's not it's his not- game. It's not as reliable, especially that he's only going to be taking those deep shots when he absolutely has to, if they're losing at the end of the game. And even then it's not what I hang your hat on. So that moves us over to Mason Rudolph taking over in Pittsburgh. I alluded to it earlier, but for four years, he had the connection with James Washington in Oklahoma state. And they both got drafted in the same draft last year by the Steelers. Washington has been hit or miss to say the least in the Steelers offense, but now with his BFF throwing him the football, I mean, for me, it completely changes the dynamic of James Washington in this offense. Yeah. If I, if we would have known that Mason Rudolph was starting, I would have flipped the rankings for how I would have had Moncrief and Washington coming into the season. So that's, that's kind of the way I view it is Moncrief becomes frankly, just completely droppable at this point. That's that's unfortunate. Yeah, agreed. Believe it, it or not, I was I was all over uh, the Dante Moncrief yeah, hype train preseason. That's and frustrating. Yeah, it's very frustrating. But this this hurts it bad. And I agree. Washington is probably the biggest individual riser. And then second on that list is actually Vance McDonald, who a lot of people already were dropping. And with a you know inexperienced quarterback, tight end just becomes that much more valuable. We saw it. Uh, when he was in there last week, that's he's going to have to use the checkdowns and the safety blanket that a lot of 
younger in their career quarterbacks need, which is a nice tight end. And until he gets hurt, Vance McDonald is certainly a nice safety blanket for Mason Rudolph. So I, I think he his value is is kind of on the upswing as well. Yeah, I've got Vance McDonald at tight end 10. So I totally buy into that. Uh, like I said, I agree with you that Moncrief cuttable. I dropped Juju down to 20. Yeah, that hurt. So bad. that that hurt him a lot. Um, it's the same type of deal. It, look, Mason Rudolph, not, not a lot of people remember he's got a cannon. Uh, you know, dude can chuck it when needed. So I think that's going to help a lot of value for these guys eventually as soon as he's got the connection. Whenever he gets locked in with Juju after a couple of weeks, uh, I, I'll have Schuster back in the top 10, no problem. But like I said, my biggest shot call right now is I've got James Washington and wide receiver 38. Even against wow. a good San Francisco team on the road, I feel like he's in flex territory. I feel like the two of them are just going to be connecting for these first couple of weeks. Like you talked about a safety blanket. That's the guy he's most familiar with. And when they've played together in the preseason the last two years, just go look at the numbers that James Washington has put up in those games, and he has absolutely dominated. So it's something I'm definitely in on uh, for sure. I agree with you on the Juju thing. He'll be back to his usual ranking spot for the year before too long. But for the next first, I'd say, two weeks, yeah, I maybe think three. People panicking, is Juju is a great buy low right now. Yes, if somebody is totally panicking uh, on Juju, go and take advantage of that. Because he will be back to his normal self here by week, I'm going to call it six, roughly. Something like that. I'm not, by then, mm-hmm. I think they'll have figured it out. And if we're still having this conversation by then, frankly, then maybe it is time to panic. <laughs> And then the last one we kind of talked about a little bit already, Daniel Jones taking over as the starter for the Giants. I mean, to me, other than Saquon, I wasn't really willing to play any of them anyway. Never been a big Evan Ingram guy. Definitely not a Sterling Shepard guy. So, I mean, we kind of talked about the fact that this is kind of just a lateral move, right? In a lot of ways, yes. And I think it'll be possible better days ahead a little bit later on in the season as, as this kind of gels into what it's going to be with these guys and golden Tate gets back. I think at that point we, uh, we might see what might be a little bit of a higher output than what we would have gotten from Eli Manning, but it's not enough for me to adjust them in my rankings. And I think if you have any of these guys and you're dependent on starting them, you should feel good about this because it may be painful for like the first week of it or so. But from what we've seen from Daniel Jones, I have every confidence that he's going to come in and just start lighting it up uh, better than Eli ever could. So I would feel good about it if I actually owned one of those guys. But I'm, I'm not. So I'm not concerned about this. I think it's, I view it as a positive. So that's that's recklessly speculate, shall we? Um, let's say Eli is cooked. He's done. It's Daniel Jones. Are you pursuing any of these players? Evan Ingram, uh, Sterling Shepard. I think that would probably be it. Uh, I don't think you're going to be able to get Evan Ingram for something that makes sense. Most of the people that have Evan Ingram and given tight end uh, really, you know, value that and probably put in a pretty high draft pick to get it, given where his ADP was. So Evan Ingram, I don't really think is like a viable trade target. Sterling Shepard, on the other hand, is something that I think you might be able to get uh, because he's already been kind of banged up. And if you're looking for kind of wide receiver depth, I think you might be able to get Sterling Shepard from somebody 
Uh, and I think that might, it would be a more, I, I don't think his overall point total is going to get so much higher, but I like his chances of actually hitting that point total a lot more. Daniel Jones throwing him as opposed to Eli Manning. I'm not sure. giving up the farm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the one that mm-hmm. you could actually do because anybody else is already on waivers <laughs> and, and you can't trade for Saquon. And I don't think you're going to be able to trade for Evan Ingram in a way that realistically makes sense. And if I own Evan Ingram and somebody wants to give me $90 million in capital for it, I might take it. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I'm not the biggest Evan Ingram guy either. And so it's hard to put yourself in the mindset of the people that really are and really value him because it seems they, they have unreasonable demands where I sit. Does that make sense? Like where, yeah. what they want? I mean, he's had high. a decent start to the season. Uh, it's not like he's fallen off the face of the earth, I guess. No, I think he'll have a fine Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with you. Sterling Shepard makes sense to me. The, my logic here is... Look, Daniel Jones has the upside, right? Like, we know yes. what Eli is at this point. So what's oh, yeah. your worst case scenario? That your worst Eli. case scenario is, well, that he's worse. Your worst case scenario oh, is he's horrible. And in that case, you know, he's worse than Eli or he gets hurt. And then they go back to Eli. And then you're <laughs> where you were anyway. That's the worst case scenario, right? Yeah. So what do you yeah. have to lose here? I feel like this can only be a good thing if, exactly. if you're invested in Giants in any way. It can only be a positive from, from this. And I think that if somebody's frustrated and doesn't see it that way, and especially is just frustrated with Shepard, like, he's in the concussion protocol and blah, 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 then I'd make him a low ball offer and see if I can get something done. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that makes a lot of sense. All right, Neil. Well, we've uh, we've speculated enough on our, our injury situations here. That's... Uh, Let's have a little fun. Let's play a little bit of Devil's Advocate. Ah, yes. May I play Devil's Advocate for a moment? It's time for some Devil's Advocate. Who the devil are you? Debating the topics. There's still one thing that doesn't make sense. The community is talking about. Now, what were we talking about? All right, Neil, as usual, uh, I will defer to you for Devil's Advocate, so go Uh, right ahead. Thank you. All right. So this week for Devil's Advocate, we've got a lovely slate. We'll start off with the softball one, my friend, because as followers followers of us on the website uh, will know, you had an article go up today about the San Francisco backfield, and this is the hot topic. So with McKinnon to IR, Tevin Coleman dealing with a high ankle sprain, as we talked about last week, we are down to Matt Breida, the picture of health, Raheem Mostert, and Jeff Wilson. And the topic that is on everybody's lips is what are we doing here? What do we do? How are we going through it? So for those of you familiar with Devil's Advocate, we usually pick a side. And so since I already think I know what Steve's is, I'll say, you want Matt Breida? Look, it's the Shanahan offense, people. It's Shanahan himself. You always wanted Devonta Freeman. He's the guy that you want between the tackles. He'll catch some passes. He's, he's, you know, he's not the most reliable guy in the universe. He does have a tendency to get kind of nicked up, but he always comes back into the game for you. It's the hallmark of Matt Breida. And he had a great yardage output last week and the week prior. So really, you know, you want the guy who's going to be more involved and that's what it is. And now I'll let Steve just tackle that argument into the ground. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so to that, I say, fool, you are a fool. <laughs> uh, 
So historically, as I went through in the article uh, under the microscope on importantnonsense.com, go check it out. Um, look, as I went through, Kyle Shanahan, since he came into the league, has always run by a committee. So it was laughable to me when everyone said, oh, there's no more Coleman, there's no more uh, McKinnon. It's the Matt Breida show, right? Well, no, it's not. It's clearly not. It's always going to be a committee. That's the Kyle Shanahan offense. So, first of all, it's Mostert and it's Breida. And the guy that I want more than anything is Raheem Mostert. And you just look at what they were able to do last week. First, in week one, after Coleman got injured in the first half, it was basically a 50-50 split between Mostert and Breida in terms of snaps and touches. And I told you when we were watching it, they were force-feeding him the ball in the second half of that game. Then this past week, they go out there and Mostert plays 32 snaps while Breida only saw 21. Of those 32 snaps, Mostert had 14 on pass plays. So he was the pass catching back and he had more carries than Matt Breida. So he was the pass catcher and he was getting more carries. And what's even more concerning for me is... They gave Matt Breida the ball. He was getting 10 yards per carry, which you can't possibly expect him to get 10 yards per carry every week because they're not going to play the Bengals every week. Why not? And then after after he would get them into the red zone, Breida didn't see any touches in the red zone. None. Not a single touch. Raheem Mostert had a target and a carry in the red zone while Jeff Wilson came in from the practice squad and got five carries, including two touchdowns in the red zone. Breida wasn't utilized at all. He wasn't even in there for any red zone snaps. So once they get into the red zone, it is anyone but Matt Breida. The more opportunities you have to score, the better your chances are to put up those fantasy points. Mostert is getting red zone opportunities. He's getting the targets. He's getting the same amount of carries as Matt Breida. Sure, he didn't average the 10 yards per carry that Matt Breida did, but Matt Breida is not going to average that as well. And my uh, my overwhelming stat that kind of just caught my eye more than anything is per our friends over at uh, Pro Football Focus, PFF, for the season, Raheem Mostert is averaging right now 0.56 fantasy points per snap on the field. Matt Breida, 0.36 fantasy points per snap on the field. When Mostert is getting more snaps than Breida is, and he's averaging more points per snap, why on earth would I play Matt Breida over Raheem Mostert? <laughs> so then it leads us to the logical point of what do? What do you do with any of this? And what I would say is, as you kind of lay out it towards the end of the article, well, if you have Matt Breida, it might be worth shopping it around, seeing yep. if you can get something done. If I can get RB2 value because for you, Matt Breida right now, I'm doing it. Well, because the, the key is you probably didn't really put in like RB2 value to Matt Breida. So this is all yep. kind of meat on the bone for you. And I, and this is, and, and I completely agree with this. If I have Matt Breida right now, I am trying to trade Matt Breida, irrespective of whatever anyone's actual feelings are to how good Matt Breida is compared to Raheem Mostert. That is not really relevant here because the 49ers are in control of that. So how, whatever you feel, like it doesn't matter. So what I would do is 
you want to parlay this. And this is where I really like the article. Parlay it into something nice. Get yourself an RB2. Go and get yourself something better for Matt Breida and possibly sell somebody some snake oil here. See if you can sta- staple something to Matt Breida and get a wide receiver if that's what you need. Because that there's there's going to be a drop-off, as you put it, because no one could possibly average 10 yards per carry for the season. If you could, you would go to the Hall of Fame. Well, yeah, not only is he not going to average 10 yards per carry, but as I mentioned, he's not getting the opportunities near the red zone. There is no touchdown upside. He's not getting targets, so there's no pass-catching upside in PPR. And the big thing to take away when you're evaluating anyone in the San Francisco backfield is that Kyle Shanahan came out and said last week that they're hoping to get Tevin Coleman back after their week four bye. So you have this week where I favor Mostert over Breida in my rankings. If I'm choosing between them, I'm picking Mostert to, to be the better back in the San Francisco backfield. Then week four, they have the bye, so they're not going to do anything for you. And then Coleman will be back. And my biggest fear as a Breida owner is that when Coleman comes back with what Mostert's doing right now, where does Breida play? He doesn't. He ends up being relegated to your bench, potentially, and that's the worst possible outcome for you, which is why I like the article, because now is the time. You have a very limited window here, folks. Right. You have about four days, but you, you can strike it. while the iron's You hot. can do this. It is totally doable. If you are within earshot of this, and you own Matt Breida, run to your league and see if somebody will give you something nice, because this is the highest point of his value, likely, for the season, unless something completely outlandish happens to Tevin Coleman, like he's just done. You know what I mean? And even then, I mean, what's your best case scenario? Is something happens to Coleman and he's done for the year, and then what? Mostert is still the guy in my mind. Breed yeah, is still the Breed number two. Yeah, would still two. have his current job. <laughs> like, so yeah. that would at least be better than him getting zero. So my point is you can get him off there now and get something nice to somebody who's possibly not really paying attention and just knows the name. Or just blindly looks at those numbers. Yeah, that too. There's always that. But let's move on. I think we've covered that, and I wanted to pump the piece because it was it was excellent work. So uh, ch- give that a read. Few more, and we can try and do these quickly. So these are the other hot topics that are that are buzzing around. OJ Howard. We've referenced this a couple times. He's having a disastrous start to this year. By the way, if you were paying attention to us this season, you don't own OJ, OJ Howard <laughs> in your league, so you're welcome. <laughs> um, this it's just it's been brutal. He literally had a zero against the Panthers. And people are panicking. So if you have OJ Howard, there's a couple different ways we could go with this. But ultimately, let's drill it down. What do? Trade, stand pat, or just cut him outright? And for me, I'm going to have to go with stand pat because of what you likely had to do to acquire him. Because of where he was going in most drafts, you're probably too overly committed to just cut him outright. To, and you're kind of stuck. So you're going to just have to hope that something kind of turns around here for you because I don't think you're going to be able to trade him for something that would actually even make sense given you'd have to find somebody that actually believes in it. I just, I don't think you're going to have a whole lot of success with that until he actually starts doing something on the football field. So unfortunately, as frustrating as this is, I kind of think you're just stuck because I think you probably paid too much to cut him, really probably can't trade him even unless you have to staple something to it. And that's really not what I want to be doing right now. This yeah, with all these guys, I feel like cut isn't an option because okay. of the so price we'll you take, had to pay. I think so we'll they're take all cut, too we'll take, valuable. Then we'll take so cut it's either off. stand pat or trade. And 
Uh, for me, I'm going to try to trade them. With the other guys, it's going to be much more difficult to try to move because of their position value, because of the other names there. O.J. Howard was a top five tight end, and we all know what a dumpster fire tight end is. So it's possible that he could absolutely blow up and be really good and put up good numbers at tight end. But it's also possible that there's somebody out there in your league that is currently having to play Jason Witten and is willing to give you a backup wide receiver that would be an improvement on your team to get O.J. Howard because of the upside. And if you have another option, like if you were, say, to have won the bidding war to get Vance McDonald in your fab, or you were able to pick up somebody on the back in your tight end. Uh, Yeah, Darren Waller. If you were able to get Darren Waller off of a fab, or or you had Mark Andrews as your backup. Like, you had another option at tight end that now you don't need David Njoku, or um, not David Njoku, O.J. Howard, and you can trade him on name value alone, you still might be able to get a backup running back, a backup quarterback, a backup wide receiver that helps the depth of your team compared to what you were hoping to get out of O.J. Howard. So what do you do then in the situation that I see some people in where you've got O.J. Howard and literally nothing else and it's just completely tanking you? Do you just try and trade him at that point still? Well, then you have to hold it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because that's where that's kind of if you have literally nothing else, then obviously you have to hold it. But I'm saying in the scenario where you might have another option, I'm absolutely looking to move it. Why hold out? Sure, sure. Best case, if you have another option, that's what I want to qualify. So yes, if you have another option, go for it. But yeah, if you're stuck, you're stuck. That's kind of what the frustrating part of this situation is. I would still be looking at trying to pick up some sort of other option off of uh, waivers, and hopefully you did that already, but we're only two weeks in. So it is possible that you missed out on the Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, uh, Darren Waller bidding wars. But let's, let's, let's move on to possibly an even bigger name. Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon. This is a real polarizing topic as it is every year. What do people think of Joe Mixon? Some people actually think he's outright terrible. That's right. I'm talking to you at FF Nerd. And uh, it's a uh, it's an interesting conversation because he's obviously been a little bit dinged up. He's kind of had a slow start, and obviously he plays for Bengals, which is just a bad football team typically. So a lot of people are speculating on what do I do here? Do I kind of just sit tight with Joe Mixon, or do I you know try and trade him off my team? And for me, well, if you were listening to us, you already have Giovanni Bernard on your team because of what you had to invest in Joe Mixon, okay? So if you're listening to us, that already happened for you, and you're not really asking this question, so I'd like to just point that out. Second thing is, I'm not trading Joe Mixon, because I think Joe Mixon's got top 10 running back level production when he's out there. Like, I'm not prepared. Like, you'd have to give me something of equal value to what I think Joe Mixon still is. You know what I mean? I'm a little confused by this, frankly. Like, maybe, maybe, Steve, we're crazy. You think that's possible that maybe we just way overvalue typically? I know both of us had him really high in our rankings and typically no, do. No, I mean, I agree. I think Joe Mixon is top 10 guy when he's out there and healthy. The problem is him being healthy. Yeah, because I um, don't really want to con- you know, confuse the point because that's what it is. So in it's terms of healthy. what do, I absolutely agree with you. I say you stand pat if you've got Gio Bernard especially. Yeah, you know, you're all happy. If, if anything, Bernard, I'm trying to acquire Giovanni Bernard if I don't already have him. Correct. So that, I'd that, ra- that, I, that the price tag on that's going to be a lot cheaper than trying to do something with Joe Mixon on my team. 
I'd but rather this is devil's him. advocate. So if I'm going to play the other right. side of it and unload him, then to me, what I'm unloading him for is a different position. Uh, it's because, again, it's the same type of situation with Howard, where the only reason I'm willing to unload him is I'm deep at that position. So let's say, for example, I was able to get um, my first round pick. I was at the turn, right? So I got Dalvin Cook and I got Joe Mixon in my one-two turn. And then I got a wide receiver in the third round. And in the fourth round, I got Austin Eckler. And now Austin Eckler is destroying people and Dalvin Cook is returned to form and Joe Mixon has become my odd man out. In that scenario, I'd be willing to trade Joe Mixon if I thought I could get RB2 value for him, even though I feel like he is an RB1. I would take RB2 value just to be done with the headache because why do I need it when I already have so much depth at running back? Potentially. I would rather not... RB2 value makes sense, but like to your point before, I would rather not trade him for running back. I would rather trade him. Correct. I'm trying to get better at another position because I'm already deep at running back. Exactly. Because that's the only scenario where this would make sense. So if you are in that weird position where you happen to have Joe Mixon as your option, yes, that's probably a prudent idea. You should shop it around and see if you can, because somebody will give you something good. There's got to be somebody out there running back desperate who values Joe Mixon closer to where Steve and I do. So sure, in that scenario, yeah, feel free to trade him. In just about any other scenario, I'm standing pat, hoping I have Giovanni Bernard. We're trying to get him and rolling it forward. So let's let's do the last last one. Mike Evans, <clears throat> also having a slow start to the year, and you you know drafted him as a top ten wide receiver, and just not looking great. The Bucks looked kind of shaky, and then they had to play a Thursday night game, which always goes so well for the offense, as we know. It's a, uh, it's it's just kind of been a rough go of it to start the season, and everybody is just talking about Godwin, Chris Godwin this and Chris Godwin that, and we love Chris Godwin on this show. Had him rated really high, expected him frankly to have a huge role in the way that he's been doing it. Heavily involved, a lot of volume, a lot of dump offs, a lot of six yard type of runs where he takes it and just keeps running because he's an incredible athlete. Whereas Mike Evans is going to be running more down the field, and you know he's going to have to deal with the superior coverage, but he's also an elite level player. A lot of people panicking on the Mike Evans slow start here. So for me, I actually view this and as a an opportunity for you to go ahead and acquire Mike Evans for discounted value. That's that's really what I think the most prudent thing to do here is uh, if you've got somebody who's got an itchy trigger figure and wants them off the team, or if he's maybe just depth for them somehow because of how their draft fell. But that's that's really what I would be trying to do. I think better days are ahead, and I would be willing to go ahead and. Uh, see if I could get a realistic offer together for Mike Evans and see if maybe I could get it on the cheap. You know what I mean? See if I can give him something like a RB2 and a tight end or kind of package some stuff together and try and pry Mike Evans out of somebody who's just kind of frustrated with it. Yeah, anybody who's followed me for the last week now is, has seen how I've been preaching by low on Mike Evans because it is it is a mistake to think that all of a sudden Chris Godwin's the number one in Tampa because he's not. He is uh, not. Great player, very talented he will not be the number one receiver in Tampa Bay this season, uh, barring, you know, injury to Mike Evans. So uh, Evans, absolutely buy low candidate. Again, here here's a scenario where I know this is devil's advocate, but I can't possibly give you a scenario where trading Mike Evans well, makes sense. And we'll, I was going to say, I mean, we, we're, we're going to try and spin this forward typically, 
But in this situation, given what you had to pay to acquire Mike Evans, I don't really see how it's going to be feasible for you to trade Mike Evans to somebody who isn't some sort of massive Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. It's just the fact that Mike Evans is a wide receiver one. If you want to trade Mike Evans because someone is still willing to give you that wide receiver one value for it, then by all means, go right ahead. Yeah, do it. If 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 you you want to be done with the headache and get actual value for it, but you got to get go wide receiver one. But if value, someone's trying to lowball you, I'm not interested. Yeah, no, you'd have to get face value from Mike Williams. You'd have to get something of the caliber, roughly ADP wise or usefulness wise, that that of what you paid to acquire him. And it's going to be very tricky given his output so far because you're really trying to get somebody to buy in on. It. You're probably going to have to package it, and it's just not going to make sense. So I just don't see how Mike Evans. I see a lot of people panicking and talking about trying to trade him, and I'm like, look. A lot of these trades I see on the Fantasy Life app, you guys are, you're not getting ROI on this. You're not gonna, you're not getting what you paid, and ultimately I worry that it's going to make your team worse by week six when Mike Evans, you know, by that point will probably have had a few good games under his belt. Yeah, you know, we'll be dominating again, right? And you're gonna look, you're gonna feel bad about this. This is why I keep, and we're gonna talk about this more next week. But this is why I always say, realistically speaking, unless something catastrophic happens where your whole team gets hurt, realistically. You should not really be trying to do too many trades until like week four. If you have yep. something that you can do, great. But frankly, you want to see what your team actually is so that you don't walk into some of these scenarios where it's like, oh, I'm just going to, he hasn't played well for two weeks and I'm just going to trade him. And then those are just two weeks of the season. That's that's a real thing. But again, remember to follow me at nonsense underscore Steve Neal at nonsense underscore Neal on Fantasy Life app and Twitter. You can follow all the work we do on importantnonsense.com. We will be back on Friday with the Trust or Bust edition of the show. So thank you, Neil, for joining me as always. Uh, I will be talking to you shortly. And uh, everybody out there, have a, uh, a good couple of days till we, till we talk to you again. And just keep up the nonsense. Catch you Friday. Music for the Important Nonsense podcast is provided by Benjamin Banger, Tritachion, and Admiral Bob. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with all the latest content on importantnonsense.com.